Well, we all know we're in the middle of the summer. It's very hot, but we're gonna turn around. The season's changing. We're getting back into school. Our life is changing again. And so here at Grace Life, we wanna catch that wave as well. And so beginning on August 21, Sunday evening, six o'clock, in the sanctuary here at Grace Life, I'm asking all of us to come together as we promote the next 40 days, which we're gonna entitle Life on Purpose. We want you to get connected again. Now, there's a 40-day period beginning on the Monday, the 22nd of August, that'll go through September 30th on a Saturday, 40 days of devotions. We're using the book entitled Purpose Driven Life. Some of you already have this book or can get a hold of that book. For those of you that do not have a copy, we're going to ask you to go to the foyer or get online and sign up for your book. Uh, we're going to sell these for the low, low, low price of $15 because the main thing is, is that we get reconnected. These devotions will be online as well as offered in small groups. Here's the thing. We're looking for homes to open up. We're also looking for people to lead those groups. We'll see how many groups that we can get together. What we're doing is getting connected again. So if that sounds like you, also go to the foyer or get online and put your name down for either opening up a home and hosting or being a leader or both. These can happen any time through the week. Some of you will use your business. Some will use your home. Some will meet in the morning. Some will meet in the afternoon. Some in the evening. The group I will lead will be Sunday nights in the sanctuary at six o'clock. So again, let's get connected and let's do life on purpose. Life on purpose, of course, is something that uh, in its title uh, just speaks several things to us. There is what's known as the reactionary lifestyle, and then there's that driven life, the purposed life. And so we got to be people that are, I'm going to use the grace life word, intentional about life instead of just, well, whatever happens today happens. And so a big part of it <clears throat> is where I want to share with us today, and that is the importance of community. We need each other. If we haven't learned anything in the last two years with being quarantined and being separated and social distancing and the list just goes on, we, we see the need of our fellowship one with another. Thank you so much for this water. Chris got talking about rivers of water and I had to get my own bottle. Thank you. <clears throat> Maybe I'll get that frog out of my throat now. So I, I intend to be very, uh, very intentional with this message because each one of us has to do our part. Each one of us have to commit. Each one of us have to break out of the doldrums, as our parents always said to us, because we get in routines, we get in ruts, we get in habits, and this is just what I do. With a raise of hand, how many of you grew up with a church life where you knew you went to church early Sunday morning, and you had Sunday school, and then you stayed for morning worship, and then you came back Sunday night for choir practice, and then you went on to evening service that probably began about 7 o'clock, and you still had fellowship afterward because Shoney's had to be visited by a number of us. 
And then you made it Wednesday night back. How many remembers those days? My pastor many years ago said, you can always tell a lot about a person, about their church attendance. Because those that come Sunday morning, it's because they love the church. If they come back Sunday night, you know, the same day, it's because they love the pastor. And if they come back again Wednesday night, it's because they love Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) We've changed a lot, and especially in the last couple of years. So it's time to be intentional. It's time to to live life on purpose. And this, this title that I've given the message today, Building Community, both words are important because it is a process. It is building. And it takes time to build something that's going to withstand the elements. It takes time to get everything we need and to be patient in the process. Whenever you're building something and it takes multiple materials and something is uh, out of stock or they it's going to be a while before they get it in again. It just, it just delays everything, it seems. But you, you have to have that material if you're going to build a quality something. And so it is with us. And, of course, the word community is such a be- beautiful word in reminding us of needing each other. I want you to stand one more time as we read God's word. I said one more time. I might have you up three or four more times. You look like you need the exercise today. Acts chapter 6. This seems like a, a, a different type of text, but it, it speaks so much. And I think every one of us can take something home from it. Acts chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, the Greek-raised individuals, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve, talking about the original apostles minus Judas, now been replaced. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and full of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it now speak to grace life in this hour as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I may be going a little different than what you expect with this, because we have to take it personal. Now, here we find that it speaks of men only being selected, but ladies, you're very much needed. The way we got to look at this is to realize that there was among these people, people of renown, people who had a good reputation. Because again, as they gathered together and said, okay, we're growing 
and we've got different challenges and the volume of the, of the challenges, and we just can't get it all done. We've got to raise up some other leaders. And it's, well, that sounds great. And already there were those saying, you know, you're not taking care of this group like you're taking care of this group. And you could already find, feel the friction that's going on. Anybody ever know what friction is among people? Come on, people. But look, look at this now, what's really happening. So, all right, come on, original group, let's get together. Obviously, they're still leaning on us to get everything done, but we know this isn't sufficient. We need more. So we're going to come out with one voice and speak as one and say, okay, now all of you find among you. Let's take the number seven. Don't spiritualize the number. Let's just get seven right here and let's find them among your own ranks, those of good repute. Now, that in itself ought to speak to us. Because every one of us in our occupations, in our neighborhoods, in our watch parties, and whatever the case, we know people have reputations. Who is it that you would be looking for to watch over the neighborhood? Who is it you would select to be the PTA president? Who is it that you would select to be the volunteer coach? Who is it that you would volunteer because you like them and respect them to represent this church as a chaplain at the hospital. And the list just goes on. People of reputation. The bottom line is every one of us have a reputation. Is it good? Or can it be better? Or do we have a terrible reputation? No, you better not select them. Man, they're grumpy all the time. They're hateful. They're mean. They're nasty. They talk out both sides of their mouth. You don't know anybody like that, do you? Quiet in here. This is exactly what's going on in this group. Find among you those of good reputation. Find those who can do this. So you ask yourself, would people vote for me? You ever had, you remember those days when they were voting for class president? Some of you were selected. Some of you weren't. Some of you ran and didn't get selected. Some of you thought about it but didn't put your name in the hat. And the list goes on. Maybe you've been somewhere else where everybody was the same. Nobody knew each other. Who stood out in the crowd? Was it you? And would people vote on you? We've got to get more personal than that. Pastor, I don't like it when you teach and preach like this because you're really getting in our stuff. What do people know about you? And are you known? What are you known for? Are you a person of consistency? Are you the same person typically in every situation? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit active in your life? Do people come up to you and say, you know, I haven't seen you in years, but you know what? I still respect this about you because you still do this or you still go there or you're involved in this. It's exactly what's going on. Building community takes all of us working together. And there are those who continue to grow and mature, and now it's time for them to step up and to be involved. But again, would people vote for you? <laughs> Even a tougher question, would you vote for yourself? Or do we disqualify ourselves? No, I know me. I don't need to do that. Instead of just saying, you know, I don't think I'd vote for myself right now, but I want to be. 
That kind of person that others can depend on. I want people to see in me a consistency. I remember this lady preaching many, many, many years ago something that has, of the things she's preached that really spoke to me, and that is availability. We always think about the people who have the ability, but what about the availability? How many people do we know that, man, they got all kind of gifts, but for whatever reason, they're, not, they're never available? We know they've got the ability to do it, but they just don't make themselves available. Maybe they can't make themselves available, and we've got to look for somebody else. But the question comes back to us. Do I make myself available? Wow. See, this is sobering thinking. But again, we're talking about something worth it. We're building community. We talk all the different scriptures that remind us of the body of Christ. And we, we know that we're many members but one body. We know that all parts of the body can't be the eye or the big toe or the liver or the pancreas or hair follicles. Yeah, you're still with me. Antonio, don't you smile like that over there, full head of beautiful hair over there looking at me. It comes back to where we are right now. And then we come here and we find that the Bible, this eternal word, took the time to record these seven names. And among them, we see the first one that jumps off the page, Stephen, because we know more about Stephen than these others. But here's the, another tough question. Could God vote for me? Would God vote for me? When something of great responsibility comes along, can God have enough confidence in my walk at this time to choose me? When we find Stephen here, we know the rest of his story. We find that because he took a righteous stand, there were those who attacked, and ultimately he lost his life. We have others in Scripture. We think of Job. Again, it was God who threw his name out to Satan. And so we ask ourselves, could God depend on me? Some of the military terms we're used to today, if you're watching any of the TV series and, or your military yourself or, or reading some particular book that brings you about special ops, special operations. And we're looking for a particular kind of person that can do this job, but not everybody can do this. We got to find that select individual to pull this off. The country's depending on it. The organization's depending on it. What about the kingdom? And who's God looking for? What kind of special ops does he want to do? How many believes that we're living in a dark time? How many needs that light and those, excuse me, knows that we need to have light shining in this darkness? Don't tell me that heaven is not sending out assignments to be accomplished upon the earth. And so heaven is looking for those who have grown and who have matured, who have remained consistent, that we're going to position these individuals in these places. Sometimes we wonder why God allows our routine to be changed. 
How many of us like our routine to be changed? John Maxwell puts it the best. The only person that likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. We don't like change. We know we need it. We say we want it, but we don't like it when it comes. And then many times when the change comes, we look back and retrospect. Then we want to take all the credit for it. Yeah, since I've been here, they were really low, but look at them now. Thank God he found me and put me in there. And so it is with assignments. Stephen was assigned. And in this, not only do we see him and these other six serving tables, we see the righteousness. We see that miracles continued, not just in the reverends, not just in the pastors, not for those with these titles that we're used to God using. This is a deacon. This guy serves tables, and yet a miracle happened at table 14 today. That guy was just coming over serving water, and all of a sudden somebody got healed. Wow. Well, wasn't Reverend so-and-so who got there. No, God has his people. So as we build community, when you go into this a little bit more and, and the study side of it, there was actually something that the whole community knew in the synagogue. And that is, there are people here, therefore there are needs. How many know people are needy? Every hand go up, please. Are you needy? Sure. Sometimes we're needier than others. When we build community, you've got to know that just comes along with it. Boy, this is good, Pastor. Well, if Pastor Brooks will get there, he'll take care of it. Well, I hope Pastor Brooks knows about it. Boy, this is good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Can I let you in on a little secret? If I opened up this shirt, there's not an S there. I know. What a shock. Can I let you in on another secret? No, I'll come over here and tell the secret. I can't do everything well. Shock, I know. Shut my mouth. Goodness gracious. Do you know, let me get up here and tell this one, that there are some gifts out here that I don't hold? There are things you can do that I can't do. And if I can do them, you can do them better. Turn to somebody and say, I knew that. Just soak in on that in a while I take another drink. You see, nobody else can preach this like I can because I live in this fishbowl. And I've been living it a long time. There's a church here. It's a community. And it takes all of us. In the synagogue, they knew there were needs, so they already created a system. And in each community, they would appoint two to go out and find out what's going on. Or if the communications came in, that was fine as well. But these two would go out. Everybody knew who Barney and John were. 
And they would go out, and when you saw Barney or John or both of them coming up to your door, you already knew what they were doing. They were collecting things to be distributed for the needs of the congregation. So sometimes you already had your bags over here already packed with things because you knew it was Friday and they were coming and you just were expediting time. Yeah, I got fresh ripe tomatoes right here. I've got cucumbers. I threw some toothbrushes in there, John. And I put some soap in there, Barney, because some of the people you're going to, they need that. They can't do it themselves. And so the community knew there were needs and they had created a system whereby as they would come around on Fridays, they would collect monies or things. And then they would distribute. And this is what they learned. They learned that some of the needs were temporary. They just found out about this. So as they brought all the collections back to the storehouse, this is good stuff. Because you see the bigger picture. Okay, now we're going to set out, we got all these tables set up here. Yeah, this is the Jones family over here. This is the Studdard family over here. Boy, a lot of needs in that group over there. You still with me? <laughs> still a lot of needs in that group. So they would, okay, we know what they need because we just found out there was a fire in their home. Uh, they were in a car wreck. Uh, uh, there's, uh, all, everyone in the house got covid it was a temporary thing, and so they prepared accordingly. And then there were other tables that it, they knew that it was a permanent situation now. So as they were making collections, they were taking care of the temporary and the permanent things because this is what we do as a community. Do you know that there was also another time in which they would go out to collect, and it was daily for the crisis needs that had come up. Now, for those that had permanent need, they would go ahead and distribute to those families 14 meals. That's two meals a day for seven days, and next week we'll do it again and again. Come on, somebody. You see, some of these needs are ongoing. And after a while, you know, there's somebody else that has a temporary need, it's like, we'll get excited about that because it's a new need. But this one over here, we've been taking care of them for years. But they're part of us. Wow, this is good stuff, Nanny. Yeah, it is. Because we're building, building community. But I want to finish with this. For me, what really took me back to this passage is a statement a statement of, as you're going out among yourselves, you select seven. So we trust that there was more than seven. Just get right now, that's a good number that'll take care of it. Find seven to serve the tables, to be of good reputation. And here's what I really love, William. Find those of good reputation. And these were full of the Spirit. Full of faith, full of wisdom. Matter of fact, when you go through it, you'll find multiple things that they were filled with of spirit, of wisdom, of faith, of grace, of power, of Holy Spirit. Wow. 
I love that image. Can I get down here and preach with the cameraman? Hang with me. I mean, what would we do? We've already asked if people would vote for us. But what if we had barometers on us? And we could walk up and say, wow, she's full of spirit. Wow, she's full of faith. Wow, she's full of mercy. Wow, she's full of great wisdom because she says I'm the best son-in-law she's ever had. (laughs) We would like to, oh no, he's only half full. Only a quarter full. Can't use you right now. I know. What would we do? What would we do? But the reality is we are doing that, aren't we? There are people when crisis hits, who do they come running to? Would you pray with me? I believe in your prayer life. I know you. I I know you're very benevolent. I wouldn't ask anybody, but I know I can come to you in confidence. You keep it anonymous. I can trust you with it. You see, after a while, there's a reputation that goes on. How many Pentecostal people we have? Do we still embrace the thought that we can be full of the Holy Ghost? Full of the Spirit. Full of wisdom. Full of mercy, full of these things that God issues out for special ops. Wow. Full. You see, we go back, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. You'll find it in 5 and 18. And he says that we are to be filled with the Spirit. And the way that it's constructed means this. As you step out and that tank is starting to be used up of the fuel. You have that marker that tells you you're not full any longer. You're at three-quarter level. You're at half level. You're at quarter level. Hey, you're getting pretty low. So you need to refuel. Now, I know there's some other bus drivers in the house, and some of us have learned this practice beyond driving buses, but you never let that tank get below half, do you? So whenever you know you're making that run and you're getting close to half, I'm not going to wait till it gets close to empty. I'm going to go ahead and fill it again. This is exactly what Paul was saying. Be filled with the Spirit. Let it be continuous. As you are being used of the Spirit and you're diminished the, the, the capacity that you have, it's time to get alone with the Lord again. It's time to get refueled. It's time to get back in His Word. It's time to get in prayer. It's time. Matter of fact, sometimes I get fueled up by serving. Uh, it just energizes to me, and I thought I was about half empty, but my goodness, as much as I've worked, I'm actually full because it's energized me. Full of the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. The renewing of the Spirit. You see, things fall apart when they're dormant. They just fall apart and decay. They rot. It is that function of being used and over and over that keeps the activity going, being filled with the Spirit. Several years ago, I know I can tell this because he told me himself, a former youth pastor of this church who now pastors my home church in Hamilton, Ohio, Alan Weaver. 
Alan Weaver's one of these guys, he'll tell a hanging crime on himself. How many of you know Alan? And so Alan and his wife, Lisa, were traveling from Ohio to Tennessee. And Lisa looked over and said, we're about out of fuel. And he just ignored her. And she said, I see the E and the, the, the needle is right there by it. Don't you think we need to get some fuel? I've got this. It started blinking red. You know the rest of the story. They ran out of fuel. And as they had to pull over the side of the interstate, Alan looked at his wife, Lisa, and said, we just ran out of gas. How many would like to have been a fly in that car that day? Oh, it gets worse. As typical Alan Weaver would go, he looked at her and said, would you go up to that door there and see if they got a gas can? I'm not the one that ran out of gas. You are going to go to that door. So finally, four hours later, they got fuel, finally got to a gas station. Things simmered down in the car enough. And Lisa looks at him. She said, Alan, why? Why didn't you just get over? He said, I just wanted to see how long it would run while it was on E. That's not life on purpose. And as humorous as that is, as well as being true, how many of us live that way? Running on empty. Running on fumes. Ooh, come on, somebody. I know I should have spent some time with the Lord, but you know, I'm busy. I, you know, I've always enjoyed this particular author, and, and it just speaks to me, but I have not taken that time to read. I, I haven't gone to God's Word and just meditate upon it. And we find ourselves running on empty. There's one more thing here. If you'll stand with me, I'll I'll conclude. There's one more thing in that scripture that Paul brings out in Ephesus. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, what he was doing was giving a contrast. Both had the ability to affect thinking and behavior. One stimulates one way, one stimulates another way. This one says, I no longer am in complete control of my faculties. This one says, my faculties are taken to a higher level. Oh, come on, somebody. Matter of fact, the scriptures bear it out. Why, why would you do that to dissipation? That leads to debauchery. Is that, is that actually in the Bible? But to be filled with the Spirit... To be filled with the Spirit, to be able to do those special ops. To be filled with the Spirit that says, you know, if it was not for the grace of God, I would not be able to withstand this crisis right now. But His strength is enough. His grace is sufficient. With the Spirit's help, I've grown and I've matured over the years. And God has 
oh, so blessed me and used me in ways that I would have never thought he could when I was a child in sixth grade or a teenager or, or just being married. But, but over the years, the, how humbling it is for God to have put this calling in my life, to give me these gifts, to, to see these things growing. It's not by this choice of stimulant. It's this choice of stimulant. So today... It's been very mind-provoking, hasn't it? Thought-provoking. As we talk about building community, it takes all of us to step up and say, here I am, Lord. What I have, I give back to you. I dedicate to you. I need to be there. Come on, give me two more minutes. When we talk about getting together in groups, some of us would say, I'm just, I'm just a lone wolf. Or others would say, now, I've, I've got two or three friends I can count on, and I, I, I've been burned in life. I've been hurt in life. I don't, I don't want to step out there again. And I'm talking to a bunch of you now. The clinical psychologists right now, after COVID, you know what they say? The number one challenge is people are lonely. The studies are pouring in. All of the educators know this. Medical personnel know this. Churches know this. Getting lonely. I don't know what to do. I, do I dare step out again? Do I dare trust? I got burned before. And there's something about church hurt. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I know a little bit about it. And it'll happen because there's an enemy and there's human weakness and failure. People emotional, whatever the case, that still doesn't take away from the fact we need each other. And we need to find those that are full of the Spirit, that have grown, that can come alongside and say, I know you're upset right now, but walk, I'll walk with you for a while. Let's trust God in this. Let's minister one to another. You see, because we can't make it by ourselves. I'll finish with one more scripture. It stays here constantly. I read it as a child. And I'll do the King James again. Hebrews 10, 25. Forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves one with another. And even more so as the day approaches. How many believes the Lord is coming again? How many believes that approaching is soon? Then we take that word and we say, forsake not fellowshipping, but even step it up as that day approaches. We need each other. Would you lift your hands right now?